Hey, when you guys stop to think about it, uh, there are several important moments that happen around a table. I mean, when you think about your own life, a table represents so much more than just a place that you eat. Right? I mean, a table is a place where, as we all learned this last year that uh, from working at home, right, a table a table's a place where uh, that work can be accomplished, right, that you can sit down and focus on a task at hand. A table is a place where uh, relationships are cultivated and strengthened, that you can really get to know somebody over a cup of coffee or a meal together. And a table has a way of, of bringing out deeper conversations than just your typical, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. You. Oh, I'm doing great. All right. Well, see you later. Right? I mean, a table has a way to just deepen the conversations. A table is a place where, where great memories can be formed, or maybe you're playing board games with your friends, or you're playing, uh, playing cards, putting de- uh, together a puzzle, or maybe you're helping your kids with your homework, or whatever it is. I'm sure that if I went around this room and I asked each of you, or maybe if you're uh, watching with us online, uh, you can drop a comment uh, in, in, in the comments below of, what, about, what are your favorite memories, right? What are your favorite memories of, of, of around a table with your family and with your friends? A table's a place where, where tough conversations can happen, right? Maybe, maybe you need to sit down with uh, your spouse and talk about the budget. Maybe you need to sit down with your family and talk about a decision that needs to be made. Or maybe a friend's going through a really, really hard time, and so you have them over to have one of those classic heart-to-heart conversations. And all of that can happen around a table. And a table's a place where we can pause and we can pray, and we can reflect on the day that we've had, or maybe you're spending time in God's Word in the morning in your devotions. Now, sure, you can accomplish all of this stuff in other environments, but there's just something about a table, that gathering around a table together. There's this famous quote that floats around that says that we need bigger tables and smaller fences. It's this idea for many of us that we need to do a better job at at being more inclusive, that gathering together in community with one another rather than excluding people from our lives, that we should love our neighbors instead of putting up these huge privacy fences that says, you know what, you're not really welcomed here. And some of you guys, you already do a really great job at this, but it's certainly something that we need to keep on the forefronts of our minds. And so we're starting a new series this week called At the Table. Now, important moments around a table are nothing new. The Bible is full of moments, these big moments that also happen around a table. And so we're going to look at various passages of how Jesus encouraged, how Jesus challenged, how he invited life change all around a table. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I want to uh, encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 22. And this week, we're going to look at arguably the biggest table moment in Scripture, the Last Supper. And so Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 13, says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. And he replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you there. And follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. 
They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. And so they prepared the Passover. So this is, uh, this is happening during the Passover festival, and this was a big deal for the Jews, right? It was this yearly celebration, this week-long celebration where tons of people would have been coming to town, traveling to the city, and all of these practices and all of these celebrations are to remember the exodus from Egypt that happened back in the Old Testament. Now, specifically, they were remembering uh, the moment where the Israelites, they put the blood of the land over their doorposts um, as a sign of where they were so that the Lord would pass over their house and they would remain safe from the plague of losing their firstborn child. In the Day of Unleavened Bread, it was this commandment of remembrance that was set up in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3, which says this. It says, "'Do not eat it with bread made from yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction.'" Because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life, you will remember the time of your departure from Egypt. Literally, the Israelites, right, they were, they were under uh, slavery in Egypt, and so they had to leave in a hurry, right? And so this, this bread is a representation of that, that there was no time for the bread to rise. And so uh, God sets up this commandment for his, uh, for his people to remember this, this unleavened bread, this bread without yeast. It reminded them of how they had to leave Egypt. And so this whole festival, this Passover festival, this week-long celebration that was celebrated every year by the Jews, that this meal that Jesus told them to set up for would have been something that they have been growing up doing their entire lives, that this was nothing out of the ordinary. But all of that was about to change, because what Jesus was about to set up was out of the ordinary. And so what was this common meal, this common cup, this common bread, and these common Jewish men was about to be different, that Jesus was about to set up this uncommon meal, this uncommon bread, and this uncommon cup. And as disciples of Jesus, these common Jewish men were becoming something uncommon as well. That the Last Supper, or sometimes referred to as the Lord's Supper, is, a, is this pinnacle moment for Jesus. Because he's setting up and establishing this practice that you and I, we carry out each and every week today. And it's this remembrance of the sacrifice of Jesus. But the symbolism and timing here is so awesome, right? Because this wasn't a coincidence that this was during Passover. Because Passover was the reminder of a spiritual debt paid, grace displayed, and obedience portrayed. That in Egypt, the debt was paid with the blood of the lamb, right? And, this, and the grace that was displayed was in the Lord passing over their homes safely. But for all of that to happen, there had to be this obedience, right? That the Israelites, they had to follow these instructions, right? And so they had to portray this obedience. And now this is what communion remembers as well. It's the spiritual debt paid on our behalf for sin. It's grace being displayed in Jesus on the cross. And now our faith, what we commit to is that we live out our obedience in our relationship with Jesus. But the meal continues. Let's keep reading in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said this to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That in these verses, Jesus is setting up the sacrament. Now, you might have heard that, uh, that word floating around church before, but a sacrament is this outward sign of something that's already internally received. Right? It's this spiritual practice. And so examples of a sacrament would be, uh, would be both communion and uh, baptism. And because both of these things are external practices that represent something that you've already received internally. Because when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive grace. We receive forgiveness for our sins. And out of obedience, we choose to be baptized as an external practice of that grace, an external practice of that faith in a public way. And communion is remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. It's something that you've already placed your faith in, right? Because if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, then what are you remembering? And so a sacrament is about what you've already have, but you are reflecting and, re- and representing that. But verses 14 and 15 in this passage, uh, they describe Jesus at this moment, right? That he's reclined at the table and he is so eager to get to eat this meal with them. Why? It's not that he wanted to get this meal over with, right? I think some of us might have, may have had experiences like that where it's like, yeah, I'm eager to get past this moment. But Jesus is eager to get to this moment, And it shows Jesus that uh, in this last moment with his disciples, before his trial, before his death that he knew was coming, and Jesus is in this posture of unity. He's reclined with his disciples. He's savoring this moment with them. But here's where things start to shift, that there are two things that get ordained in this moment, the food and the men. Because I think what we need to understand is that the presence of Jesus makes common things sacred. Because once again, this common meal, this common bread, this common cup that they grew up doing year after year in celebration of the Passover, all of a sudden is something entirely different. And it's going to remain different from this moment on. But here's what I love, guys. There, there are just some really, really awesome examples of, uh, of progressions that you and I, we get the benefit of seeing throughout Scripture, right? That we get to see kind of how things play out. Because the Israelites, they didn't know this at the time. But when Passover first happened, it, uh, the, the, when it first happened back in Egypt, this was a foreshadow of the grace that was to come in Jesus, right? That in Passover, God displayed grace by passing over their houses and, and marking them as safe from this plague, right? And so that was grace being displayed, right? And they didn't know that at the time, but that was a foreshadow of Jesus. In the Passover festival, it remembers this event, but now Jesus changes it because we don't, we don't remember Passover anymore. We remember Jesus. We remember his sacrifice, his death on the cross, and, and the disciples in this moment, they didn't know it at the time, but communion is the foreshadow of what's to come, right? Because Jesus said, hey, I'm not going to eat this again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God, right? That, that I'm coming back. 
And so communion is a piece. It's, it's a part of what communion is. It's this foreshadow of what is to come. That this is what we remember when we take communion. And so the event remembered and foreshadowed in Passover is now the event remembered and foreshadowed in communion. But I would describe communion this way. That we partake communion collectively, universally, and personally. Right, that collectively, in unity together, this local church, and so in this room or in Urbana or online, right, as a church, we take communion together to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. That as the body of Christ, we remember the body of Christ and the blood that was poured out for us. That we take communion collectively. That we also take communion universally. You know, it's interesting as you look at different churches and all the different practices and, 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 and traditions that they carry out, communion is one of the most widespread practices of the church. Now, sure, it looks a little bit different in different churches, but I love that it's the symbol, it's this mandate from Jesus, right, that as the church, as the global church, the big C church, we remember that Jesus is Lord. We remember that Jesus sacrificed himself for us, and we do that globally. And that communion, it unifies us with believers, both past, present, and future. That whenever we take communion, we remember the history behind it, that for thousands of years, people have been doing this practice to remember Jesus. And we take it now, and it's going to continue to be taken until the day that Jesus comes back. That we take communion universally. But lastly, we take communion personally. It's a time to reflect on the impact of the sacrifice of Jesus in your own life. That we understand that because of this sacrifice, that our sins are forgiven. Our salvation is secured. And the grace and forgiveness of our sins is received. And man, as I take communion, I always try to reflect. And I, man, I always pray, God, may I never take your grace for granted. Or maybe I never take advantage of your grace. Guys, I don't, I don't know what your experience with communion is. There are so many different ways to practice it, so many different details that are different and that we can quickly get caught up in. And if you guys have questions about communion, man, I would, I would love the chance to talk to you about it. You can catch me afterwards or we can set up coffee, the opportunity to sit down with you to talk about communion. I would love that. But there are a lot of questions, a lot of different practices, a lot of different traditions that can float around communion. But here's, here's, here's kind of the common ground that we need to land on. That we believe in the death of Christ being accepted by God as the payment for our sin on our behalf. And so when we take communion, we are saying that we accept the death of Jesus as the payment for sin in our own lives. That Christ's death is accepted by God as a sufficient payment. And so when we take communion, we are accepting that payment into our own lives. That this is what's remembered in communion. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And I pray that it's something that we don't take for granted. I pray that it's something that we don't take advantage of. 
the death of Jesus that now offers us grace and forgiveness. It's his body that was broken and his blood that was poured out. So we take communion to remember what we need most. A spiritual debt paid and grace displayed. That we remember it and we declare it in our lives. And so in communion, we have this common unity with one another. We share the benefits of the sacrifice of Jesus. We share the confidence uh, in that sacrifice that it was a sufficient payment for our sins. And we share in joy together knowing that our eternity is secured with Christ. And so we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, the band's actually going to come back out here, and we're going, to, uh, we're going to sing a song to kind of prepare our hearts uh, for what's coming. And so we're going to sing one song together, and then you're going to hear from one of our elders, and we're, he's going to lead us in a time of taking communion together. And so this is like a record short sermon for you all. You're welcome. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, praise God. <laughs> Don't worry. Sermon part two is coming from Mike here in a second. No, but uh, we're going to sing this song, and we're going to reflect and, and start to prepare our hearts to take communion together, and Mike will lead us in that time. And so would you guys pray with me as we prepare to sing together? God, we thank you so much for your love, that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And God, I pray that that's a love that we don't forget. God, that your love is infinite. And we don't deserve it. We continue to sin. We continue to mess it up. But I pray that we are a church, that we would be disciples, that would passionately pursue you. And when we mess up, we would rely on your grace. We would be dependent on it. But I pray that it changes us, that we would delight in you, Jesus. We would not delight in our sin. We would not delight in anything that is not of you. But be with us this morning, God, as we continue to remember your sacrifice that you made of your son, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Mike Larson, one of the elders, as um, shared earlier. I'm here to, I'm going to qualify something. I am here to share a meditation, not Sermon 2. Uh, this is <laughs> my first time dipping in these waters, so this is a meditation. Maybe someday a sermon, but uh, appreciate your patience with me. I was raised in the Lutheran Church, and one of the rites of passage in the Lutheran Church is confirmation. And I don't know, some of you may be not familiar with that confirmation. In short, it's a time period where teenagers, <clears throat> excuse me, they spend anywhere from 12 to 24 months, studying the apostles, studying about who Jesus is, the New Testament, to come to a, a place where they're ready to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and make a proclamation of that. It culminates in a service in front of the congregation, so where you are affirmed, you uh, affirm your belief and your faith in Christ. And then for me, kind of the next step after that was, it was a time for me to start taking communion. And so I remember fondly, you know, I, I'm not going to profess that I knew exactly what communion meant at the time, but I had a good understanding, and I knew that Jesus had died for me, and that the Lord's Supper was a chance to remember that. Uh, the other thing that I really remember, our church was small, 
We only did uh, communion once a month, and somebody would always actually bake a loaf of bread, and I remember always thinking, man, I can't wait till I can have a little piece of that bread, and it was uh, well worth the wait, so. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read you uh, some verses from 1 Corinthians. Before I do, give you a little bit of context. So 1 Corinthians is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and this specific passage I'm going to read Paul was reminding the church what communion was and why they took part in the Lord's Supper. Um, at the time, people would actually get together, sit down around a table. The church would get together. It was kind of a home church, and they would eat a meal together, and in the process, they would remember who Christ was. And what had happened was that actually, in a lot of places, turned out to be a daily thing, and a lot of people were just coming because it was a free meal. They weren't coming for the purpose of honoring Christ and what he had done. So this, this ver- these verses are Paul's reminder of, hey, church, we need to remember what this is all about. So again, this is 1 Corinthians 11, uh, chapter, verses 23 to 29. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So as we think of this, we need to remember the directive from Paul is very clear. We want to eat drink, and remember. And why is this important? Why is it important that we take time to remember? And part of it is is because it's so easy to forget. When you leave here and you get back to life, you get back to work, you get back to kids, for us, we just got a puppy two weeks ago, and that puppy is more distracting than anything. It's easy to slide away and forget what the Lord's Supper is all about. The other thing, it's, you know, it's easy at times for this to kind of get stale. You know, we come to church, we sing songs, we throw money in the offering plate. Oh, yeah, we take communion. And God wants us to remember in this moment, we need to do it in a way that is worthy. And what, so what, what does that mean? How, how do we do this in a way that's worthy? Does that mean that, that we come to the table with, with things that we've done that it's something that we've done ourselves and we present that to God? No. But it also doesn't mean that because we have sin in our life and, and we feel dirty, that God doesn't invite us to the table. God invites all of us to the table. I think what it means to do this in a manner that is worthy, two main things to remember. Number one, it is an opportunity for us to reflect. We do all sin. We do all have shortcomings. This supper is a time for all of us to get together and lay that at God's feet. 
And equally important is that it's a time for us to honor God and remember what he is and what he has done in our life. God's goodness and grace to save us of those sins and our shortcomings is equally important to remember this time. So we gather as a body every Sunday to take communion and to remember those things. But I also want you to remember it's not just Dutch, not just us. There's churches in our community that are gathering together to take the Lord's Supper. There's churches in our state. There are churches all over the world who come together at God's table to remember. And this is one of the gifts. The reason that God has done this for us is to remember. And the reason that it's a table. And the reason that we all sit down and get together and eat together is because we are all united in Christ. And what Christ has done for us and what he has done in our lives. So please, each Sunday that we get together to have communion, or you know what? Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, when you pause and to remember Christ and what he has done in your life, please remember to honor him. Honor the sacrifice that he has made. Honor the grace that he has given us. And honor the salvation that all of us have around his table and through the elements. If you guys have... uh, have the communion elements, get those out with me. And Christ reminded us on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, broke it, and said, this is my body, broken, take and eat. After that, he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood, shed for you, take and drink, do this in remembrance of me. So I'd ask you all to uh, join me in a moment of prayer, and then we'll get on to the, the rest of the service. Dear Lord, we are so fortunate that we get to gather around your table, God. We get to remember who you are. We get to remember what you've done. Lord, that your gift of grace and salvation unites us, God, unites us in your mission, Lord. And Lord, I, just, I pray that it is so easy to forget, it is so easy at times for, for things to become routine, God, and, and I just pray that we never take for granted the gift of gathering around your table, remembering who you are and what you've done, Lord. So in this moment, again, we, we lay at your feet our shortcomings, God, we lay at your feet our sin, and Lord, we do it because we know that your grace is greater than our sin, God. Your grace conquers our sin. And Lord, that that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed for us to help save us. And Lord, I, I pray that in our lives, that people can see us gathering around the table, God. And more importantly, God, that that we can invite them, that they can join us at your table. Lord, that they can come to know you, to see you, and to love you like we do. Lord, I pray as, uh, as we go forth from the services here in a bit that, that these, re- these reminders resonate. They take us through the week, God. And again, we find ways to, 
to invite our community, to invite everyone we know around the table with you. Lord, we love you, and it's your son's precious name we pray. Amen.